Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast, everyone. It's been a few weeks since our last episode, but we are happy to be back and extra happy to have another extra special guest on because all of our guests are extra special guests because they agree to come on and talk to us. <laughs> so today we have... Catro. We have Catra Corbett, who is an amazing human being. <clears throat> and I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up her ass. She really is an amazing human being. <laughs> She, oh gosh, her her CV is so long, and you know I'm gonna let her tell us all about it. But she is also the author of a wonderful book called Reborn on the Run: My Journey from Addiction to Ultra Marathons. And Katra, when did that come out? That came out in 2018. All right, so fifth year anniversary. So, so congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, five years. Yeah. yeah since I've been living in Bishop. Yeah, that's about right. For five years. Wow. She's also completed over 100 100 mile races and then many other achievements that we will get into. But those are the big highlights. So, welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Let's start from the beginning. How'd you get into ultra running, running, hiking, all of the above? So I got clean and sober in 1994, and I started working out in a gym and exercising. And two years after I started uh, working out and I had been sober for two years, I decided, you know, I had been walking, you know, like three miles a day. And I thought, oh, I'm going to try running, you know, just out of the blue. I was like, I'm going to try running tomorrow i'm gonna go out on my three miles and i'm gonna run it so the next day i went out i ran three miles and i was like oh my god i can't believe i just did that you know so i started running that same week and that was in 96 and i decided you know what i i want to do a race and i had seen like a flyer and this is back in the day like you know there was no internet like you know or facebook or instagram or anything like that so there was a flyer in a barnes and nobles and i had been working next door in a salon and i was like oh there's you know this 10k coming up there's a 5k 10k you know next weekend i think i would like to run the 10k and i asked my mom i said do you want to walk that 5k and she said yeah so that's what started i went from there i ran the 10k didn't you know just ran as fast as I could didn't know anything about pacing didn't know anybody that ran and and I always hated running growing mm-hmm. up so right. this was like funny that I actually <laughs> decided to do this race so when I finished I you know I felt like wow I ran six miles that you know I only had ran three miles you know that same week a couple of times and so that that was a huge thing for me a huge accomplishment and so when I got finished on my vehicle there was a flyer for the San Francisco Marathon, and it was in three months. So, damn. <laughs> so if from there I decided, oh God, you know what? I want to run a marathon, and I I knew it was like twenty something miles, like twenty six miles, but I didn't realize it was like twenty six point two or whatever. And I asked a friend, and he said, oh, it was twenty six point two. So I went and bought a book at that same Barnes and Nobles, and I thought I need to know how to train for this. I don't know anything about running, so I just had to basically skip to the chapter where it says your marathon is in three months because I had three months to train for this thing. So it said your long run is nine miles on Sunday. So this is long before we had Garmin, GPS, any of that. So I got in my car and I set the odometer. So I went, you know, 
four and a half miles out and it happened to be there was a gas station at that point on the road and I was like okay I know that tomorrow I'm that's gonna be my turnaround point so basically it it started from there my running now did you have any prior um running experience before this no, I hated running. So I got an F in PE. Nice. <laughs> so much I hated running. I used to, I would not dress. So that, it wasn't that okay. there was something wrong with me. I refused to dress. You know, when I was in high school, I was like one of those bratty teenage girls. And I was like, nope, I'm not running. Like we'd have those physical fitness challenges. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. You know, I'd walk around the track. So, and I mean, I did play soccer growing up. My father was my coach, but I hated anything to do with running. So I, it was like my parents forced me into team sports. I was always into dance and things like that. And then my parents are like, she's too quiet when I was younger. Like, we got to get her into team sports and interact with other kids. So I was always in just reading reading and stuff. And so, yeah, so they, they forced me into sports, which I did not like anything to do with running. So I kind of refused. So, and then, then I ended up, look where I'm at now. <laughs> Well, you're obviously that knew me in high school. They're like, you hated running. You hated running. I know. You know, it took me getting sober to get you know make me do something else, give me something else. You know, an outlet. You know, and then it brought me to other things. You know, fast packing, backpacking. I mean, it it's opened up like my world. You know, to doing so many other things, for sure. Well, to go from zero to three and then from three to nine, you're obviously a natural at it. So how did you feel no, after the work? <laughs> how did you? Was yeah, I was going to say, how did you feel after work. those initial runs? What's that? How did you feel after those initial runs? Oh, I felt amazing. I mean, I was exhausted, but it was like for somebody that hated running because it, it was weird. It was like it clicked. Like I enjoyed yep. being out there, you know, and knowing that my body was doing something, you know, like I would have never thought I could do that or never thought I would train for a marathon. So at that point training for it, it was like each milestone. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just achieved that. You know? So, and you know, after running for like a month and a half, then I was getting to the point where I, I, you know, everything clicked and it Mm -hmm. did become easier, the training miles. But I mean, every time I ramped it up, it was, you know, it was a lot, it wasn't, you know, super hard, but, you know, it, it was a challenge and, you know, until I, you know, but I was putting in the work, so, you know, exactly. and my body was, you know, work, you know, I had still been going to the gym and working out and all of that, so I think that definitely helped. Yes, it wasn't absolutely. Like I just went into running from doing nothing. nothing, I was riding the bike in the gym, but I was lifting weights, so that yep. definitely, you know, I already had, you know, the muscle that would help, you know, help get me you. through it, so right. I wasn't like in and pain all the time that's the running that's the component that we were missing until recently we attempted um an ultra and we only made it about 22 miles in out of out of 31 yeah and the component that we realized we're missing was um resistance training so we started in january and we're feeling really Really good, good and we're ready to give it another shot maybe spring yeah so it will, that makes a huge difference, you know, it, it definitely makes a huge difference because when you have the muscle, you're not going to get a sore, you know, your, yep. your body true. is not a sore and just doing the resistance. It's like you build up that muscle. So you're stronger. So it's not, you're not going to get as fatigued, you know, and you're not going to have those like sore 
you know, like your knees aren't going to be sore and your, you know, glutes or whatever when you're getting to like mile 22 and you're like, ah, shit, everything hurts and I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully this time it will be a breeze. Thank you. So what resistance training would you recommend for long distance runners? Like when, you know, you go in. A lot of core stuff. A lot of core stuff. stuff. So like ab workout, because that's the most important thing is if you don't have a stable core, then everything else is going to be thrown off. So, and we, as runners, naturally have weak glutes, so focus on glutes. And even now, I have weak glutes. As I've gotten older, it's gotten harder to keep the muscle on and keep building muscle. You know, it's like, everything was fine until about three years ago, and I'm 58 now. So, it was like, oh, man, I really have to work harder to, like, keep the muscle and not wither away. So, and I noticed that my glutes just naturally started getting weaker, hmm. which you would think I'm going in the mountains all the time. They wouldn't, but exactly. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I wasn't doing enough of like squats and things like that. Okay. And you just, you just start losing your strength and your, and, and glutes, you know, like my massage therapist, she's like, you have that right glute is weak, weaker than the left glute. It's <laughs> yeah. like you start compensating for one thing and the other. But definitely core and definitely glute strength is okay. really important. Okay. Done. <laughs> We're going to do plank yeah. after this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. And dead bugs and uh, crunch. Yeah, yeah, all the things. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so how did you do in that first marathon? I, I did awesome. I finished like in four... 405, 410. That's incredible. Like that. But I had no, like, I didn't know, like, pacing or So I did yeah. feel like the last two miles, Dead. my legs felt like they were being stuck to the ground. Like, that, they yep. started getting that heavy feeling. And it was like, I'm like, I kept hearing about this wall thing. And back then, they didn't have gels. There was one company that made a gel. It wasn't like Cliff or Goo or anybody like that. It was called Squeezy, I think. It was like a European company. Gotcha. So I bought one at the you know expo and they're like oh yeah take this at mile like 23 and so i because they're like when you hit the wall and i was like what's this wall i'm like gonna hit you know so right around i would say a little bit after 23 i was like oh i better take this gel thing you know glucose or whatever but it was like all of a sudden like my legs got really heavy but i mean i was pushing to go fast you know and i was running with this kid that I worked with at the time he like signed up the weekend before and he lied like her he was 17 you had to be 18 18. okay yeah (laughs) made his parents sign up for it but he ran cross country and stuff in high school and he he was still in high school he was graduating but he kept hearing about me training for it he's like I'm gonna run that marathon too catcher so we ran together a big chunk and then he ended up falling apart and his friend who didn't train at all who was in college also signed up and he beat both of us <laughs> but he couldn't walk for like a week after yeah that guy. so anyways i'm coming into because you have to run around the stadium in san francisco so okay. i'm coming in and it's like i got a sprint i mean I, I i gave it everything i had at the end and like i couldn't the minute i stopped like everything shut down yep like my legs i could hardly walk up the steps it's so funny oh, when you think God. about it now and i'm like oh my god I could not literally walk up the stadium steps I mean whatever was left was Was done done. like the minute I hit that finish line it was like you are going to be limping for the next day and a half (laughs) so you know and it because I hadn't run 26 miles before I think the longest training run I did I think was 22 so I hadn't gone past that like last little stretch you know and and you push yourself you know when you're training by yourself 
and then all of a sudden you see people and you're yep. like that person can't be in front of me I'm gonna get in front of them you know <laughs> oh, and yes. so it was that whole thing and I I think I even ran way faster than I had even was I mean I wanted to do it under 430 mm-hmm. okay and so I you really did. pushed That's yeah <laughs> so it mean... was my little goal I gave myself uh, you, you know what you need a goal because then mm-hmm. it's willy-nilly you know it's maybe yeah, exactly. maybe then I'll do 450 you know what let's do five you know and that just spirals so yes it, it's awesome to have a goal in mind but I don't even know how fast I was running I don't even think I had a watch back then <laughs> right like I must have had a watch you know and I'm, I might have had like some cheapy Timex thing but it was like I didn't know how many miles I was yeah. running. I just right. went by like the driving you know oh, I would yes. drive and know where I was gonna run you know and there was actually when I was training for the marathon there was I paid, there was this trail and one side was dirt and one side was paved and it had like mile markers so that was you know like from one yep. end to the end, other end it was 10 miles each way so then you just ran a couple more miles to get your the rest of your training so that helped like you know but I didn't know like my pace what I was running you know because I didn't have a watch that told me that I was just like okay I'm gonna run this fast and try to you know get there in this amount of time so and you know, nowadays, even in marathons, they have those people with the pace signs. Yes, So you right. get into your corral. They didn't have that back then. Like, everybody just jammed together. But mm-hmm. that's so convenient now because you have somebody that you're like, okay, I got to follow that person with that sign. You know, yeah, and exactly. That's going to be my group. Yeah. So I had no idea. I was just, like, running. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you went the natural progression, but in a truncated way, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like from your road marathon, you went to a trail marathon. Am I right in your book? Well, yeah. So yeah. the second year, so I ran two marathons that first year. And the second year, I decided I was going to run every marathon in California. <laughs> there you go. I, wow. I ran a lot of them. I didn't run all of them because there was like too some many. were like a few on the same weekend. But uh, what brought me to the trails was these some of these marathons were trail marathons because there was obviously not like all these big marathons you know you had san francisco you had like la like those were the bigger ones right um avenue of the giants and things like that but then there was because i was trying to run basically almost every weekend some weekends i had two marathons so i my very first trail marathon i showed up and it was like pouring rain like hurricane winds and my mom went with me and she was just gonna like hang out and wait and she goes i they're not gonna have this race i'm like yes they will it was like horrendous conditions and everybody just kind of sat around in their car and then the race director was like yeah we're can't it's got it got canceled because there's no way you know the park will let us have this right so we're gonna have it again in like a couple of months or whatever it was so we went home and in my head as I'm driving, I'm like, well, I was going to run a marathon today. I'm going to run a marathon around Fremont. So my, we get, and it's pouring rain still. It's, you know, this big storm in the Bay Area. And I get home and I said, I'm going to go running. And she's like, what? And I go, no, I'm going to go run a marathon right now. I go, I know my route and I'm going to go, you know, along the canal and do, do my marathon. And my mom's like, you're fucking nuts. <laughs> so I went and I did. I ran a marathon. So I think it was like a month later when they when I did the trail marathon and so my mom once again went with me it was beautiful sunny and I had never had I even gone on a trail yet I might have went on the other side of the Alameda Creek where it was dirt you know that's not even a trail but to me that was a trail but this was like up and down and it was in the Marin Headlands so it's like very hilly and you know the Marin Headlands in San Francisco beautiful you know views 
but it was like two, you did two loops. So the half marathon did one loop and then you did the two loops. And so I finished my first loop and my mom's like, are you done? And I'm like, no, she's like, why are you so slow? I mean, and to me, I mean, it was fast for me. It was like five hours and 15 minutes to run a trail marathon. You know, like that was a decent time coming from running on the road. You know, back then I had no trail experience. So Mm -hmm. that was just, you know, I, it was, it was crazy. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to fall and die. I'm going to get lost. Like they didn't, there was no, like, I was so used to like water every mile there. And I had read in the, you know, the rules, like you have to carry a water bottle. And I was like, I got to carry a water bottle. Like you have to get a waste thing, you know? And I had, I had corresponded with the race director and I'm like, what do I have to get? He goes, so you can go to a running store and they sell these belts and you have, they have a bottle holder in there. So I went and got one of those and there was like no food. There was like, cookies left on the side of like near a restroom at mile 12 or something you know with some jugs of water and it was like yeah so I was I learned real quick I'm like wow this was hard but I enjoyed it I was like oh my god this is like it's so different it was kind of scary being out in the woods but after that I was just like I like this so I started doing all the trail you know because I was doing trail marathons and road marathons and I started at some point I was doing back to back I would do like a marathon and then the next day if it, they were close enough to for me to drive like within a five hour radius right. you know I could do this one the next day and then I s- started running with people on these trails and they were talking about ultra marathons and I was like I would listen I'm like ultra marathon and then I finally were like what what is an ultra marathon and they're like oh it's you know 50k and I was like okay well what's they're like 31 miles yeah. there's 50 miles and 100 and I had heard of you know 100 mile I had heard of western states I knew yeah. about that race from my dad because my dad was a big time runner and he you know they used to have it at like wide world of sports they would air western states oh, back awesome. in the day a couple of times yeah so I had I knew what a 100 miler there was a 100 miler and I was like I just didn't know what it was called you know I just there was only a few crazy people that did that and these people were like oh no there's 50ks and so there was this older gentleman and I was doing all these races and his name was Jim and we became friends and he was he had done like every state run a marathon twice in every state and then he was you know he had done a couple ultras like 50ks and so I would see him and we ran at the same pace so we would do the trail marathons together and then I said hey Jim, I'm going to sign up. And this was like the following, I guess it was that same year, later in the year. And I said, hey, there's this 50K. I think I want to run it. It's Skyline 50K. It's mm-hmm. close to where I live. And yeah. he was like, oh, I'll run it too. So anyways, I we signed up and we ran it. And I mean, I left him right away. You know, yeah. I was much, he wasn't used to running on a trail. I mean, other than the trail marathons. And he was just running marathons every week. And he was a very fast road runner okay. like I couldn't stay with him in a road but I just like took off in the the trail marathon and it was like 100 degrees that day I mean the, the 50k and right as we were starting there was like this big hill and I was running the whole thing and people are like is this your first ultra and like, <laughs> and like, why, are they, why are they all walking and I'm like yeah they're like well you should probably be walking this hill it's a long climb and I was thinking who are these old men and why are they telling me I have to walk I'm not gonna walk and then I realized why, because later yes. on, like the last five miles of race, everybody was passing me. I was like dead. Yep. I was heat exhausted. Like I wasn't eating. I didn't drink enough. Like I did everything wrong, but I finished. And I mean, it's like Congratulations. the last three miles of that race was on this 
asphalt uh, that oh. goes around this lake. And I, I was just like dying. Yeah. I was like, everything hurts, <laughs> you know? And so I finished and then I like two weeks later, I ran a 50 miler. I'm like, I'm going to do a 50 miler. And then right after that, I did another 50 K and then there was another 50 miler and it was another horrendous conditions pouring rain really bad and I was dating this guy at this point and he, Kevin's like are you gonna run this and I said yes I'm gonna run it so he's like oh my god you're crazy so he's like okay I'll bring you to the start and it was in Napa or somewhere it was in Napa yeah nice, Shasta, I think and so he uh you know got, we got to the start line and the um, race director was like you could you know you guys could switch the 50 milers can switch to the 50k if you want to change right now like we'll let you change you know or in yeah. the middle of the race we'll let you change and not give you a dnf but if you want to change now we'll let you start in a half you know in 45 minutes later after the 50 oh. milers and i was like no i you know my boyfriend's like you should probably drop down and i'm like no i'm doing the 50 miler so off we went and it was like in the dark pouring rain there was maybe 25 of us that ran it so right off the out of the gate it's pouring rain you know horrendous conditions it, and we like go right into a puddle like a, a like a stream actually like it, the whole uh trail was flooded and so i was running with this guy that's right sorry okay. i was running with this guy and he was um whoops what happened are you guys sorry about that that's, that's i was okay. running with this guy and He's like, you know, he started talking about, you know, oh, this isn't so bad. You know, I run some hundred milers in worse conditions. And so he started talking about his hundred miles that he has run. There you and go. I was thinking to myself, in that race, no, I already knew. Like, I told myself, <laughs> if you finish this race because of those conditions, you're going to sign up for a hundred miler. So just being around this older man, once again, it was all old men that yeah. were doing this back then. I mean, I was... I was considered young for doing ultras, like at 31 years old, 32 or 32 years old back then. Now there's a lot of younger people. So it was all these older guys, like in their fifties. So, and he was going on and on. He ran Western States, ran Wasatch. He was like naming all these races. And I was like, these hundred milers. That's a, he's crazy. He's amazing. So he finished. And actually in that race, I think ended up, I think only about, out of the 25 people that took the, went for the 50 milers, only like 12 of us ended up staying, like some of them dropped back down right. to the, so I ended up finishing last, but I finished you and finished. I didn't care. Like, I'm like, I'm going to still go because the race director's like, you can, you know, drop down now. And I'm like, nope. And when I finished, it was like sunny, the clouds had lifted. It was like beautiful. beautiful. And, you know, so I finished and right away i knew i'm like i'm signing up for i got to see when there's a hundred miler so like two months i think it was two months later was uh rocky raccoon in texas so yeah. i signed up for it and that took me from like within a four month period i ran my first hundred miler from doing my first ultra well so i just went went for it that's crazy <laughs> and not only that you went to do your first 100 in a completely different climate <laughs> Oh my God. I didn't think it was, it was hot and it was humid and it was in February. Like I didn't know, you know, I thought, why am I so wet? Like something's like, like <laughs> did I have a pack? No, I didn't have a water pack back then. So I just had the waist thing that I was like, this is crazy. I was sweating. My feet were swelling. I didn't know that 
when you jumped from, because I hadn't even run 100K. A lot of people will do 100K and then go yeah. to 100 miles. So I went from 50, and then I'm doing 50 miles more, which if you think about it, that's a lot more miles than you've ever done. Yes. You know? So I went from 50 to 100. And so I tried to plan as best as I could, and I thought I knew I had read up somewhere. Like I, at that point, I was getting Ultra Running Magazine, so I had read, you know, articles about you know people's experiences so i was like okay i need to have socks i need to have different socks and change my socks because it was 20 mile loops and 20 or 20 mile loops so i was like okay i got to change my socks every 20 miles you know because my feet are you know so i don't get blisters and this that and the other well i didn't realize that my feet were gonna swell like really swell because i hadn't run and that's another 50 miles further than i ran like now my feet don't swell like that you know it's i wear like a half size bigger anyways Mm -hmm. it'll wear a thicker sock to start with and then change to a thinner and everything is fine but then i didn't know and i was still wearing my shoes like as if i was a road runner and there was i didn't even have trail shoes i don't even think they made them they made them like the following year i think i got of course. Or trail running <laughs> shoes. So I'm in road running shoes that just fit, you know, perfectly fine, you know, not extra big or anything. And my feet were blistered. Oh my God, they were getting so bad. So I think I got to, I was on my third mile 60. The blisters got really bad. So um, I had somebody tape them up. They were, they taped them with duck feet. I mean, duct tape. Yep. There was not like That's no right. good kind of tape back then. So, they just taped, they're like, oh my God, yeah, you got really bad blisters. Well, we'll just tape them up, you know, with duct tape. <laughs> they taped my feet up. So I went the next round and another 20 mile loop. And now it's going to be night. And I don't, I had never experienced running through the night. Um, I'm falling asleep on my feet. At the time, I'd been sober now for a few years. And I, did, I didn't even drink coffee back then because mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, that was like doing drugs, like doing speed, you know, because that yeah. was my drug of choice with meth. So I'm like literally like a drunk <laughs> wandering around the trail and this girl comes up and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I can't stay awake. And she goes, and I go, I need some coffee. Cause at this point I'm like, I'll get coffee at the aid station. Yeah, so right. I get, we come into the aid station together and they don't have any coffee. And I'm like, like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And she goes, Oh no. She goes, I have these caffeine pills. And I was like, what, what is it? <laughs> and, you know, I never heard of caffeine pills. And she's like, it's a no-dose. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I don't do drugs. I wasn't even doing Advil back then. Right. And she goes, no, it's not drugs. Trust me. She goes, you're not going to be able to keep going if you don't take some caffeine. She goes, so break it in half, take half now, and save the half for later on. Right. She goes, trust me, it's not drugs. And, you know, and I was getting desperate at that point. I was like, she's probably right. So she continued on, and I... Took it at the aid station. She told me to make sure I ate, so I ate something with it. And then, like, I want to say within 10 minutes, I was like, wow! (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't doing caffeine back then. So you think about when somebody's not used to doing caffeine. I was like, woo, I was so wired. So, like, she helped me out. And I still know her to this day. Oh, bless. (laughs) And she's on her way to finishing 100, 100 miles. (gasps) She's at, like, 85 into it. And she's, like, 63, 64. Nice. Yeah, so she's still around, and we're still friends. And, like, I, you know, she knows. I I wrote about her, and I was like, you saved me. (laughs) Like, it was you with that caffeine. And so, so I was able to get back around now at this point and so I have one more loop left and I come in and at this point my feet were like they were hurting so bad and I'm like I gotta take these shoes off I gotta change my socks one more time and I go can we take this 
do something. My feet are, you know, and the blisters had like swollen back up. Yeah. And they had popped a couple of them. So the guy went to rip the tape off Oof. and the skin came, yes, the skin came off the bottom. Yep. So it was like a silver dollar size on the bottom of both of my, you know, he ripped the one on the ball of my foot Oof. and I was like, just leave the other one. And I'm like screaming and they're like, are you, you're not going to continue going, are you? And then my boyfriend happened to be there and he's like, you're not going on, are you? It's like, I came here to run a hundred fucking miles. I'm going to go. Nope. <laughs> you're going to go so do I, it. I just, Tape it back up, do something it was like burning, you know, and, and so like I said, I didn't even take Advil back then, so I had no Advil. And I just like at some point I think I took a, that other caffeine and I just took off and went, you know, and just like wheeled my way around the next loop and finished and was, you know, so out of it but so elated at the same time I'm like, I cannot believe you know, and my boyfriend's like, I'm like, I cannot believe you ran hundred miles and I'm like, I know. <laughs> like who you know, it's like I didn't know anybody did that did that and here I am with all these people that were encouraging me the whole way and giving me advice. I was like this is amazing. So we get to the hotel and actually I I left without getting like my shirt, my finisher shirt. I'm like, we got to get my finisher shirt. You got to go back and get it, you know, and I had my buckle. And so he drove back and I went to take a bath. And of course, I'm like trying to put my feet in there. And I'm like, "Ah." I couldn't even stand up. So I got out of the bath, I changed and I'm crawling around and he comes in and he goes, what are you doing? And I go, well, have you seen my ultra running magazine? You know, because I brought my magazine and he goes, we got to get ready to, you know, to go we had like 10 min- minutes to get out of the hotel and to get on the flight that we were flying back home i didn't even get to sleep or anything yet oh, and he goes i don't know where it's at he goes why do you need it and i said um i need to sign up for another one of these yes I don't know if I did or not and I, in reality i was so out of it and i'm like i really gotta do another one i gotta yeah. see if this was just a fluke or if it can be better or you know and so I went from there. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I mean, so what year was that first 100 miler? 99. That was so 99. At the end of 98 was my first ultra. And then like a few, four months later was the first 100. 100. So with all in four months. And then I did a bunch more that year. I was doing like 24 hour runs where I did under oh, 12 miles. I, yeah, I was already signing up, you know, because then of course I'm like Western States. I got to get into that thing. Yes, you know, I got to get right. into the granddaddy of old hundred so the the second year i got into that so you know that's amazing yeah Yeah. but before yeah and so that was yeah that was a hard race because that was more mountains but then i started meeting people too which was good i met this guy mike and so he was training he had run western states i think at that point like five times and i was like oh my god you know and he was always doing these back to back so he kind of took me under his wing and then we would have these group runs and so I started doing all these crazy runs with these people like on the weekend you know I just remember my first back to back like 30 mile 20 mile thing I thought oh my god I don't know how I'm gonna run tomorrow I ran 30 today and I'm gonna run 20 tomorrow and it's like once you do that enough your body just gets used to doing it and yeah. it's no big deal so you know and it, it just escalated from there so you had a turn of phrase that I want to go back to. You said you will yourself around that last 20 mile loop. And it seems like your whole mental attitude, um, no fear. So how much do you think your success has been mental versus physical and just, I'm going to do it. And it just doesn't seem like you have any 
hesitation or fear like goal meet goal new goal keep going yeah it's a lot more mental than it is physical like your body you can train it and it can get there you know but if your mind is over here saying we shouldn't keep going you have blisters you're damaging yourself you know and you're really not you're trying to that little voice talk so many people quit yes. before they realize they they if they just go to the next aid station it's going to change it's going to change you know and i do that even when i feel like dropping out of a race when i'm like i don't want to go like something's wrong you know i don't feel right i mean i there are times like peeing blood and i've had this recurring bladder infection i that's all squared away but those are where times where yeah this is a mental thing like i mean a physical thing like you're medically you're not to stop there's no like don't be stupid and you know medical people come in and they're like yeah you can't go so most of the time though you will just convince yourself because you're like oh i shouldn't really go or you know something's happening and it it's not it's just that little voice like trying to to stop you when you know if you just go a little bit further and i and i've always done this with myself go to the next aid station and i always have this rule go to the next one and when you get there if it really is something is wrong and you know like you can't you know there's it's going to be damaged like your hamstring you can't run but try to walk and maybe it'll get better then you know so it is like especially you know, we haven't talked about the 200s, but that's the we'll 200s yes. is totally that. Any, and I can't stress this enough, anybody can run 200 miles because it's a lot of hiking. Yes. If you, like, I meet so many PCT hikers when I'm out training, and, you know, it's like, I'm like, you guys are doing big days, 25, 35 miles a day. You could do an ultra. I said, especially you could do a 100 mile, I mean, a 200 miler. All you got to do is hike 52 miles a day. And you, you know, and that's without sleep, but you, you know, if you threw running in there, you're able to go 52 miles, no problem. And so a lot of it is hiking and a majority of it is mental because people think, oh my God, I run a hundred, but I can't do 200. That is just insane. (laughs) Like, well, because you're thinking of it as 200, not like running 200 miles. It's a slower pace. It's not like when you're running your 100 miler you're like okay i gotta finish now my goal is like 24 and you know when you have a 30 hour cutoff time yeah it's totally different in a 200 you have to realize you're gonna have sleep stations right you get to sleep you you eat a lot because you're going 23 miles in between some aid stations so you're in the wilderness it's basically like i said it's fast packing you're going doing lots of miles in a shorter amount of time if you, instead of if you were just walking slowly and hiking through the wilderness. So you're throwing some running with power hiking power in there. Hiking. Right. And you, yeah. So you get to an aid station and you will sit down because they have a list of food. Like they don't have stuff sitting out like they do in a traditional hundred. Like there's some sandwiches over here. You know, they prepare because people are coming in and they're like grabbing and going. And in a 200 mile race, it's so people trickle in. So they, and they, you know, the, maybe you want a vegan burger, maybe you right. know, I'm vegan. So they'll make me vegan gluten-free. And so you sit down and you're changing your socks. You're taking, cause you know, you're like, okay, I've got a, it's going to be like six hours before I get to the next aid station. Right. So you're doing your calories at that aid station to get you through to the next one as you're hiking up a hill. Cause usually a lot of the aid stations are down because they can't 
put a lot of aid stations up uh, high because right. you're in the mountains mostly. So they're in ac- accessible locations. So it's usually lower. So you eat and then you're burning your food off, digesting as you're hiking up. And then by the time you run in another hour and a half, two hours while you're climbing, you're fine. It's all digested. So basically so, you're, you're between each aid station is a different race basically. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and, and how you look at it, you don't look at it as a bigger picture. Like in 100, you're like, I go, you should break it down smaller. And in, in, in 200, you even break it down smaller. You just pretty much go, okay, do a 25 mile section, do a 25 mile section, do a 20, you know, I'm going to yes. have an aid station in between those sections or, you know, and you, so it's, it's, I like them way better because you feel like you're really in a, like a backpacking or fast packing thing by yourself. Sometimes I'm completely out there by myself. Oh, I'm sure. Like I won't see somebody for a couple of hours, you know, cause maybe they're just behind me, but I haven't seen them cause I'm going through the mountains and I can't see behind me that they're, you know, coming up. And until I get to an aid station, then that's when I'll see some people. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of times what you do is that, like, if you're going through the night and you don't have a pacer, you will team up with somebody. So and it's just a known, it's a known thing in 200. You're like, hey, you know, John, you want to, or do you have a pacer? No, I'm, I don't. I'm like, oh, do you want to go through the night together? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Give me yeah. five more minutes and let's go, you know? And then you just, you know, have conversations with somebody and then somebody else will be hearing you say that. Oh, can I go with you guys too to get through? And you, you help each other through. Right. And, you know, and I've been to eight stations in a 200 where, somebody comes in and they're like, I can't keep going. I, I, I need to drop. I'm too tired. And I look and I'm like, Oh, well, you know what? We're all tired here. <laughs> Let's look at you. Let's reassess the situation. Do you have an injury? No, I'm just exhausted. Okay. We'll take 15 minutes, take a, a nap. And if you don't feel like sleeping right now, just go hike to the next aid station with us and then see how you feel. And I've gotten people to leave that were like ready to quit. And they're like, Oh yeah, she's right. Like, yeah, maybe I'm just tired and I need a nap. And so that's what, yeah, people get like that in 200 because it's so daunting when you're thinking about how far away 200 miles is, you know, it is a long ways. And I never look at it like that. That's why I feel like it's easier. I'm like, Oh no, I'm just going to go do another 30 miles right now you know yes. and then i'll take a nap over there yeah so yeah it's, it's and people look at me like i'm crazy but i've gotten so many people to sign up and they're like it is actually a more relaxed race so people that have a harder time making those cutoffs in a hundred miler you know maybe they're not the fastest in the group they can get through a 200 the only cutoffs that are tighter in a 200 are usually the first two so like mile 15 and mile 30 but still i have walked literally walked the whole first section of one and i just to prove that you still have 45 minutes ahead of a cutoff walking 15 miles to the aid station and that's when i was feeling like crap when i'm like i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do it and then you feel better and it starts stretching out because it allows you time to sleep so that's why the the time starts you bank time is what you're doing so by the time you get to mile 30 you have, you know, you have 12 hours to get to 50K, which is a long time. A long time, yeah. Yeah, so, and then when you get to mile 50, you're to the point where you have, like, 24 hours sometimes, it depends on the race, to get to the 50K point. So that's a long time. And, see, it's allowing for the sleep in there, too. Okay. So it starts accumulating. So, you know, so when I get to a mile 100, I usually have six hours ahead of the cutoff. So... 
I'm like, okay, now I can sleep for three hours. I still have three hours and I know I'm going to build that hours back up because then it's extending more. And by the time I finish, if I'm not having my best race, I'm still like 12 hours ahead of the finish. The, wow. You know, the That's cutoff insane. time. So, yeah. So it's basically how it's set up. It's You have to do 52 miles a day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much yeah, it. average averaging 52 miles a day. And usually the first day you're doing more than that, the first 24 hours. That's so that's why you look at your time and then you're like, "Oh mm-hmm. yeah." And and it shows like cuz I was following my friends doing their race a couple of weeks ago. My friend Angel's very fast, but I told him you can't run these fast, like not like a hundred. And he realized after having problems at Tahoe 200 that he made it to 170. And so at Bigfoot, which I told him it's the hardest one, you just got to make Bigfoot, sure you yeah. plan your sleep. And he's still, he's like, I got to figure out a sleep thing for my lab. He goes, it didn't work as well as I wanted, but he had, he was doing 67, 67 miles a day. And then it slowed down to where it was like to 42 miles a day, you know, because he was not sleeping and he was sitting and resting and not sleeping. But still, he he finished with plenty of time to spare. But he's like, I got to figure out the sleep thing because you do get to, you know, if you do too much caffeine before you get to a sleep station, you you can't can't sleep. sleep. Yeah. Yeah. My rule is no caffeine for three to four hours. No. And and since I've done so many, I think I've, I've done 1800 or 200s now. Okay. That I have a plan because I've had it's gone bad before, like where I'm stumbling in the wilderness, hallucinating. So I told myself no caffeine three to four hours and always have your plan. Like I always sleep when I get to mile 100 or if it's a little bit further, like 110. It depends where the, the aid station checkpoint is set up. But that's my hard and fast rule. I got to sleep for two to yep. three hours there because that may be all the sleep I'm going to get. And Correct. then after that, I can... You know, I'll be with my pacer, you know, at mile 150, and I'm like, I'm going to sleep for five minutes, you know, set your alarm, and I'll wake up in three and be ready to go. And they're like, you only slept three minutes. I go, I feel great. I feel great. Like, yeah, there you it's go. Exactly. weird how your mind is like, okay, I'm good now. Let's go. Yeah, so, that goes back to that mental thing. To, as long as I get three hours sleep, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, what Katra is talking about with Bigfoot and Tahoe is destination <laughs> trail races. Um three major 200 mile races and uh they are amazing and one goes around tahoe like where it's like a half around tahoe and then back and then one goes around yes. mount st helens and then one is in moab yeah Utah. which is amazing they're beautiful beautiful races yes. so yeah and and beautiful places so you're just like instead of like backpacking all of that in a, a you know, in a two week thing, you're like, Oh, I could just do it in, you know, 105 hours, you know, and and see it just as fast. (laughs) Which, so let's move on to, cause we've backpacked a little bit of the JMT, but you've done, uh, yeah, the fastest known time on the John Muir. The double. Yes. That was was before your 200-mile races, right? Or was that before you started? Before my 200-mile races. Okay. There there was no 200-mile races yet. Okay. Oh, okay. That was in 2004. All right. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, and I was already fat, you know, doing the JMT, you know, and I would go out and sleep and do, do it always under seven days was always my goal for 210 miles and or long you know once you go down Whitney it's longer but yeah and so I decided one year being out there me and my ex-husband we were doing it um 
together and it was in 2003 and we met these two guys and they were talking about their friend who had hiked it twice and he was like he goes he hiked and ran it a little bit and he finished it in 18 days I think he said and I was like well I'm gonna do it in 12 days (laughs) came out of my mouth and my husband looked at me and he's like uh I'm not going with you (laughs) that's okay I'm like I'll go by myself so the following year, I decided that I was going to do a yo-yo of it. And so, and actually my fastest time for One Direction was starting in Yosemite, okay. going to the top of Whitney on that particular fast pack. So I right. did it in five days, 15 hours to the top of Whitney. Five days, 15 hours. Okay. Climb. Yeah. And that's more climbing that direction. Yeah. And then just turned around and came back. So, and I had like... I felt great going out, but the minute I had to turn around and come back, it was like I had blisters, like everything started hurting. I was taking Advil. I was crying. I was popping my, my feet were infected. It was just not good. And if I knew what I know now, because now I've done it so many times and I, I know how to get out of the wilderness. I live close to the trail now in Bishop. Yeah. I didn't know how to get out. I only knew that you had to to go go back. You had to go back. Right. There was no like. I didn't know Mammoth was going to take me out. I can get over to Mammoth here. I can go over here. I can. I didn't know any of that. I was just too new to anything. So I probably, on that, I might have bailed out because I even, when I was coming on the way back, and this is like, I think we had, we did have cell phones back then, but they didn't work. There was a pay phone like yep. at Red's Meadow yep. where I was able to call my husband and say, meet me in Tuolumne and I'll be there tomorrow at this time. Right. But, since I didn't have a GPS or, I mean, a inReach or a spot device, there was no way, you like, you couldn't say, hey, guess what? I'm having an issue. I'm not going to make it there on that time, which ended up happening. Oh, so, yeah, so I, you know, I, I was hoping to get there by the time the grill was still open, but I didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I was supposed to get there, like, by six I think was my mm-hmm. guesstimated time that we figured that I would get there the next day because I wasn't going to sleep it was like going to be a 30 something hour push <sighs> and I ended up getting there at it was dark so it must have been nine o'clock and he's like where were you what took you say? you know <laughs> and I was behind like this mule train and it kept having to stop and let them pass because I was popping my blisters and so yeah I could I got into Tuolumne and then I ended up just doing another push all the way to the finish. So, and that was still to this day, that is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Wow. You know, it's just like pushing yourself when you don't even want to go. And at the end, my husband, uh, my stepson at the time, Austin was 13 or 14 and it was like 20, 23, 24 miles to uh, the valley, to the finish. Okay. And this other kid, Albert, was 19. He was a climber. They both went with me to the finish. So I just remember in the middle of the night, they they couldn't stay away. So I'm feeding them no no, no, (laughs) And I had blistered feet, had no trekking poles at that time. I didn't do, like, I swear by trekking poles. Now I couldn't go out and do something like that without trekking poles. So we found two sticks for me because my feet were so blistered that I would have to stop about every two and a half hours and pop them with a safety pin and tape them up and go again. And so the funniest story, though, is we're heading into the valley and now it's like, you know, five o'clock in the morning, people are starting to, you know, they 
go up early to That's try right. to get up, go up half down. So uh-huh. we finally get to where the junction is, where people are turning. We're just a little beyond it. And this woman is like, oh, you guys already made it up half down. You guys must have went really early. And <laughs> Austin, who's 13, he's like, no, she just ran uh, all the way from, she did the John Muir trial twice. And she's heading to the finish. And she goes, wait, let me understand what you're saying. <laughs> you, you hiked and he, I go, well, I ran a lot of it. She goes, wait, so you started the John Muir trail at the bottom here. And then you went out to you Whitney and then you're coming back. And I go, yeah. And she goes, Oh my God, how many days? And I said, it'll be like 12 days, something. And she goes, wait a minute. Could you wait here? My husband's coming right behind me. She goes, it took him like 25 days to do it. One direction last yeah. year. I want to find out why he was so slow. <laughs> so he comes up and she's like, sweetie, this woman is running the John Muir trail in 12 days. And he's like, Oh my God, that's fast. She goes, no, no, it's two times. She's doing it. And he's like, what? so then all these people are oh. like, Oh my God, you know, and, and actually along the way, I forgot to say this. So my, um, husband's brother and his uh girlfriend at the time they were hiking the opposite direction of me so they were telling hikers like when you see this girl you know with pink hair and dressed all wild she's going for the speed record so they were cheering me on so i'd be coming up a pass oh, and i'd be so feeling like shit because this is on the way back now he had been telling people when it that we're going that direction now i'm heading back so i'm going to run into these people and so i'd be coming up a pass and people would be all go Katra. and i was like how do they know and then you know somebody was like oh we saw your brother-in-law he told us you were going for the speed record so every time when i'd have a a low moment somebody would be like oh you're that girl that's running the trail so oh so helpful the hardest thing i ever did so it was preparing me for all these 200 (laughs) yeah for sure holy smokes so you yeah that that is incredible and and you've done you said you've done the jmt 12 more times beyond that 13 times 13 now, yes. times wow. lucky number 13 i love it <laughs> and i did i didn't get to go out there this year i'm gonna go do uh i think i'm gonna do a different thing uh next week we're gonna do oh. the high sierra trail a double on it but i'm yes. doing it with a friend so we have n- nine days to do that plus she hasn't gone up whitney so we're gonna go up from Kearsarge, then up over Forester Pass, then go up Whitney, come down, then pick up the High Sierra Trail, go out and back, and then come out of Kearsarge. That sounds so. great. That that trail's a little yeah. bit more rugged, correct? Than the John Muir? Yes, I don't know any yeah, I don't know much about it. I mean a lot of people do the High Sierra Trail. Okay. But I gotta read in a little more just to make sure that it's not too too because <laughs> we just had a bunch of storms too. But we can change everything on a whim because I yeah. the permit I have, I you know, they, they expect you to write where you're going to stay all the time and you can't figure that out. I never can. Right. So I'm going to check the beta on that. And if we can't, we'll still go up Whitney because she hasn't done up to Whitney yeah. before. And I want to make sure she gets up Whitney and we'll come back and maybe do the Ray Lakes loop and then pop out. Oh, There's so options. And if they lot, don't, yeah. So the road is closed right now too, because we just had all those storms. So this road to uh, Onion Valley is closed. And if it's not open by the time we start next, I think on the 30th, we can hop out and do the Tahoe Rim Trail. <laughs> There's options. So these are snowstorms? Because you don't need a permit. These are not uh, well, we, no, we just had a big storm. Rainstorms. We had a hurricane that came. Oh, oh it, it was Hillary. It was Hillary. I'm sorry. Yes. Of course. Yes. yes. So yep. everything, like, you can't even get up to Whitney Portals. The road's closed. So anybody okay. with a Whitney Portals or Whitney permit, they can't go up. Oof. So, I mean, they're letting people come down, you yeah. know, that are on the JMT yep. or whatever. 
but that road is still closed. They just opened Horseshoe Meadow today. Did they really? So that's, yeah. And, but as far as I know, it looks like uh, Onion Valley is pretty damaged too. So I don't know if they're going to open it like maybe one way and let a certain amount of cars go oh. up and down. So, well, but if my... not, we'll just jump on the Tahoe Rim Trail. There's always options. There's options. You got to leave it open. She's coming from Canada, so it's all like, oh. like I I got A, B, and C going. For you know? sure. So originally, I said, why don't we just do the Tahoe Rim Trail? It, logistically, it was hard to get permits this year. Yeah. And, you know, the snow out there, it's like, it was a horrible year. It so was. So now all the PCTers are hopping back on over there, too. And so they're fighting for permits to because they have to reissue permits just for that section yeah my you uncle your pct permit my uncle was saying so. that they had just reopened yosemite just in the last few weeks because of all mm -hmm. of the runoff has been unbelievable yep. yeah you couldn't get you couldn't get through to tuolumne it didn't open until july yeah which it's never opened that late you exactly. know so yeah it's a crazy year so, so what other records do you hold so I did this thing called the Muir Ramble Route. Um, so John Muir, so I bought this book at REI, got it probably back in 2007 or eight or something. And this couple, I don't even remember their name right now, wrote this book called the Muir Ramble Route. So they decided that they were going to do all this research and come up with the route, how John Muir walked from San Francisco to Yosemite, the same route he oh, used wow. as close as possible. Cause obviously there's freeways and things, yes. but so they, they researched it and they, they did it on their own and they came up with this book with the guidebook to, you know, be able to go from Yosemite, you know, to, I mean, go to San Francisco to Yosemite. So I got a hold of them. They had that book for years and I read it and I was like, I'm going to do this one day. And I was getting ready to move to Bishop. Mm -hmm. So my, boyfriend got a job here we bought a house and I was like this is the time to do it I'll do it before I move you know so I you know got my group of friends together and it was Phil Dave and Jay and they've helped me on other stuff like running from my house to Yosemite and doing crazy shit Love it. so I got them together and so the first part it was John Muir arrived in San Francisco via a boat and then he took the ferry to Oakland so we took the BART to San Francisco, and then we went to the ferry <laughs> to take the ferry to Oakland. So me and my friend Joyce helped me the first, like, 50, uh, probably 100 miles on it. So we, anyways, we went on the, the, the ferry like he did, and then got off the ferry, set my watch. Or actually, I set my watch as the time, the minute I got on the ferry, because that would have been, you know, for a record or whatever. But nobody had run it, so it didn't matter. <laughs> So I got off the ferry and then proceeded to run all the way to Yosemite. Wow. There. That's and amazing. I ran like 50 to 60 miles a day and I did sleep in there. So the first day we made it to Fremont, it was 55 miles and that's where I lived. Yep. So I was able to go home and sleep. And then we got back on trail the next day and then I went all the way to like Morgan Hill or whatever and we had car issues. We had like flat tires and stuff, but it all worked out. So we went home and slept again and then from there we just headed out so it was me and my boyfriend and my friend dave and shay and so they were switching off pacing and then jay was like reading ahead where we needed to go because we then at this point like once we got through san jose morgan hill we're like on these weird trails we went through henry coast state park so we had to go like 33 well it was supposed to only be 33 miles 
until we saw our crew, it ended up being like 40 miles because this gate on the other side had been locked for years that we didn't know about this. We're going by this book, oh, you know, man. and this book is totally, can't even follow it <laughs> because of things that have changed through the years. And we've let them know and they've updated their website to say, you know, like, don't go by the guidebook, things have yeah. changed. So we... We had no reception out there. We did have an in. Do we have an in your inch? No, I had my spot. We only had a spot at the time, I think. It helps. So, <laughs> and no, I think we did have an in reach because I was wearing a spot to keep my track of my time. And then Jay was carrying an in reach. And but Jay and uh, Phil and Dave didn't have anything with them at the time. But he was in, anyways, they weren't in a good place for cell reception. And we didn't have cell reception. And at some point, we finally got a hold of them. And they told us, like, we're not coming into you because there's no way to get in. You, we got it. I have to come down five miles to you. And it was like hot. And so we, we had like a pump to get water. Like I sent Jay off course. I'm like, you go get the water. I'm not going off course. I'm staying right here under the shade and waiting for you to come back with the water. So, cause there was a lake down somewhere, but yeah. So it ended up like there was things that we had to be flexible for all these changes that were occurring. So we were able to, you know, we ended up, that was like a, a long, you know, day and on trails with like tons of climbing. I think we climbed like, Henry Co is an amazing uh, wilderness. Uh, it's, a, it's a California state park. And I had did some running in there, but they've, they don't have races in there because they're not allowed for some reason. And it's so remote too. Like I didn't realize how remote it was until I was way out there on this, like trying to go from one point to the other of this thing. So that was really cool being able to go through that. And so then after that, it wasn't as bad, but that was like our worst section. And the rest of it was along, I was going along, I was running along fire breaks along the side of the freeway up in the hills on fire breaks. So these things, like if I could just run on the freeway, it would have been so easy because it wasn't like this up. It was literally climbing up a hill, down a hill, climbing up a hill, down a hill. And it was all on fire breaks, like and the thing went around, like the fire breaks went around and around, you know, it wasn't because I kept saying, is this a, this isn't a fire road. Cause it's like all full of dirt. And my friend Dave's like, these are called fire breaks. <laughs> so we realized I'm like, yeah, this is not even really a trail. So it was very, very challenging through that. And then a lot of it went along like weird canal things. And what an adventure. Yeah, it was, wow. It was, it was an adventure until I got to Coulterville and that was the best part of the courses. You get to this little town on the outskirts of Yosemite, and it happened to be that that the this we were going to get onto this old abandoned road that was the very first road that went into Yosemite. Oh, wow. So we had this big section of, I think from there into Yosemite was about sixty five miles, and Phil had to leave us, so he wasn't going to be able to crew us. So Dave and Jay had to wear packs with all the gear, like. I mean, they were just carrying their food. They ate more than me. Like, I had enough for me to go, and I had my running pack, but we had a filter and, a, like, some Mylar blankets because we knew we were going to have to sleep at some point, you know, after we got to mile, like, 45 yeah. or whatever, and then continue the rest. So we get onto this Coulterville thing, and it was it was just really cool being on, like, this old historic road. There was That's pieces of the road you could still see. And we get to the, oh, it's old growth of these giant trees i forget what the name of the group the the little place is so we crossed the road there and that's when all hell broke loose so this guidebook 
had been written years before there was like three fires that went through there so and i had kind of went up there to check it out one time and i was like i don't see where there's a road over here so luckily they were really good at navigating but it took us a long time because we had to get to this fire tower that was through there we were climbing over trees that had fallen over and all this overgrowth that was taller than me like we were bushwhacking it took it took a long time just to get to this fire tower to get through there and then we ended up into Tuolumne and then we took this old road into Yosemite so we're now at five miles and we slept in the middle of this thing at night with just like mylar blankets like huddled together luckily there was no mosquitoes thank god and it was not freezing cold so we were very lucky because we knew we were gonna have to sleep at some point so we were like five miles from yosemite valley on this old road and me and phil had run it the year before like starting from the valley floor and ran and then came down the road into the valley and i was like oh this is totally doable it's a rock scramble but you can kind of see the road well that winter we didn't know, but there was this huge rock fall in there. So now at this point, we get to this one point, And like I said, we're five miles from the valley. Like you could see the valley. You can see things. You're mm-hmm. up on this like rocky thing. And all of a sudden there's a drop off straight down. There's no more road. The thing's gone. I mean, gone. it wasn't really much of a road. It was a rock scramble before, but now it's like a drop off. And I just started crying. I was like, <laughs> you know, and my friend, Jay is freaking out. He's like, we can't go through there. And then Dave's like, calm down, you guys. We can get across. I'm like, no, we can't. I'm going to die. And I was so exhausted. So he figured out a way. He went up. And over he goes, you guys, we're totally going to be okay. So he found us a way around all of this. And I was, like, scared. I was, like, crying. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I'm like, this is all for nothing. You know? So we... He's like, just calm down. And then we, me and Jay, who were freaking out, we made it across. <laughs> and as soon as we got across that point, that I just took off. And they were like, where are you going? I'm like, just follow me. I know where to go. You know, and they're like, how do you know where you're going? I'm like, I know. I just know. Yeah. yeah. So we made it to the valley. And so, and actually inside of the, what is the name of this? Oh, my God the Alpine Club or some organization, there's like a little building inside of Yosemite and they actually have a book. So like if you do the Mirror Ramble route, you sign the book. Well, of course, we finish like at six. The thing's not open. And still to this day, I never got to sign my book, but I have a picture of me standing on the thing, <laughs> and, you know. But I'm like, she's the, the people that wrote the book. They're like, there's a book in there. You can sign it. And I was like, okay. So one of these days, they're going to go back with my date and my time. That's awesome. So yeah, and there were... And, the cool thing was there was this woman I met because we had written all over the character, Diva, Mirror Ramble Root, blah, yeah. blah, 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 you know, and I had all these my running sponsors, like, helped out. And this woman and her wife happened to drive by, and they drove up, and I'm sitting in a chair, and my crew's standing out there doing stuff, and I'm eating. And they're like, who's doing the Mirror Ramble Route? And they're like, oh, you know, Catra, this is Catra over here. She goes, oh, my God, you're running it? And I go, yeah. And she goes, I'm hiking it. So she was walking. She was a school teacher from Oakland. And she started in San Francisco. And she was doing it, like, in a two-month period. Yep. And her wife was following her doing camp. They were camping out each day. Nice. And they had their dogs with them. And I thought it was really cool. So we, like, took a picture together. So, But I don't think anybody else has run it. As far as I know, they haven't. That's great. So that's another record. Yeah. How many miles total? Is that entire journey? So it ended. It's three. It's supposed to be three hundred and ten, but it was more like three hundred and 
think we got variation from 324 to 334. Okay. So okay. I think my final thing was 334 because of all that off-road. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it ended up being longer than, and I did that in seven days something, I think. Under You're incredible. eight days, I think it was. It, but a lot of it was flat, too. It wasn't until yeah. I got, like, into the Coulterville or other than the, the, couple of Henry Coe, a lot of it was like very runnable, very runnable fast, yeah, like right. along canals and the heat and you know, I have my crew meet me, they meet me like every ten to fifteen miles or something. So Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned when you first started doing your ultras that you were running with old men. That's one of the things that kind of gives me hope <laughs> that I like about the sport is that you can do it up through your 60s and 70s, out 80s, 70s, yeah. 80s. Yeah, now a lot of, yeah, you know, it's amazing. You see, I mean, in the 200s, there's 70-year-olds finishing the 200s. Wow. You know? And there's people starting, like I... So we have a long way to go. Guy Gene, <laughs> yes. Yeah, this guy Gene, he started running, like, in a six, like, when he's 60, and he has, like, world records at 70 in the marathon. I'm just like, that's amazing. Cause you don't damn it. Like I've been doing it for so long. I'm like, when I hear like, I'm too older than women are like, you know what? You made us believe that we can do it. And I'm like 55 and I started running. I'm like, good for you. You're not damaged. Your body can go a lot longer. Like I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh, ow, everything hurts, you know? But it's like, as long as I keep doing the cross training and I know and eating correctly, that helps still fight off some of it. But I mean, it's just, my body's been running since I was 30 years old. So, you know, and I'm 58 now, so that's a long time. <laughs> so we, people start slowing down, you know? Right. Um, we don't want to keep that's you too much. That's why I like much... the 200s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. why I like the 200s. It's more mellow for me. I'm like, I don't feel no, pressure. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> Which is why you can keep doing this sport up until, you know, your 70s because the longer races are more about planning and a mental aspect rather than speed rather than speed yeah yeah but we don't want to keep you too much longer but you had mentioned a little bit eating right we talked about the gym early on in our conversation Uh what is a typical day like for you training so it all depends what I, like in the summer, yeah. I train a lot. Cause I love getting out and now living in Bishop, I like going up in the mountains. So I'll go up, you know, I'll go up Bishop Pass, go down the backside, you know, try to get in like a 20 miler a few times a week or do longer stuff like on the weekend. You know, I can go out and do like a 30 miler. As long as I know, I check the weather cause I know I'm going to be out for a long time. And, you know, going up over a pass, you may get stuck. You know, you can't go over a pass if the storm comes in. Yep. So I always carry, like, an in-reach with me or a spot device so my boyfriend knows, like, if I'm not moving, he knows I'm not injured. Right. You know, he can tell where I'm at, see the map, like, oh, she's, there's a storm. And he knows, he's a pilot, so he knows, like, when the weather's <laughs> coming in. Yep. He's like, oh, okay, she's stopped. She's, you know, resting. Because usually if I'm doing, like, a point-to-point thing, he's tracking me because he's going to pick me up. He'll usually run in to me like he'll come over a pass and run in and then meet me and go back out so I try to keep my mileage up in the summer like you know if I'm doing a a 200 miler I try to even doing do a solo 100 mile training run in there so I try to do like 150 mile weeks sometimes you know and that's a lot of hiking too you know because you need and I always tell people the most important thing is 
if you could be a fast hiker in a 200, then you're going to do really well. Mm -hmm. And the first year I started doing the 200s, I didn't practice hiking. Like I didn't even think about it. And now when I'm going up the pass, like I'm looking at my time and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to get to the top of, you know, Bishop Pass in a certain amount of time. You know, I'm going to try to really maintain like three miles an hour going even uphill at up a pass when right. it's, you know, up at 12,000 feet. So if I can do that and then run down the backside, I, I feel like I'm doing good. You know, if I can maintain and just keep pushing myself to stay at that exact same speed going uphill. So interesting. So yeah, in the summer, I like to do higher mileage because I like being out all day. Outside. Of course. I mean, it's too. a beautiful place. And like it this is. year, though, I've been really sad because it's like you I couldn't even get back there just the weather, the weather. The, I didn't you know I'm like I don't want to carry an ice axe and crampons and I have Catula spikes and but it's like I wanted to make sure I was you know I didn't want to get injured falling in the snow it's like you know so I we have a lot of uh lower like little peaks around here that I can go up and over but then it's hot is the problem and there's no water right. so when I'm out in the the mountains, I don't need to carry, I just carry a filter bottle with me and you don't need to carry like a whole hydration, you know, you just carry your pack, but without, you know, you don't need water because you can get water all over the place. Out here, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have water. I have to go off this way to go get water because we do have a lot of water in different canals and stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's some places I go where it's like a 30 mile stretch with one place to get water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of plan, a lot of planning goes into it. And it's it, hot. Too. And, <laughs> and it's, it's hot. hot. And it's hot. But this year, like places that normally didn't have water have water. Right. Like we're like okay. all of our canals in town are running. Like I don't like this summer when it we finally got like our triple digits. It was not a big deal. There was water mm-hmm. everywhere. You know, like so, which is nice. And normally, I mean, I've been here for for five years, and I haven't even seen half these places filled with water like these are overflow canals that they use occasionally and this is the first time they're using them and all of the water like south lake and north lake and lake sabrina they're full it's beautiful like i'm like oh they didn't thank god i've been living here five years and i didn't know they were supposed to look like that (laughs) well katra we're gonna wrap it up but uh we would love to have you back to talk about your puppies and yes of and, course yes <laughs> my newest guys yes, yes he's in training he's gonna be an ultra runner he's too too young he just turned one. Oh, so <laughs> yes and they're all named after eastern sierra mountains we got mount whitney we got baxter pass and then we got Ooh, forester so. pass oh they are, they are too cute and on instagram thank Ka- you katra always posts pictures and videos of her puppies and i'm, I'm here for it um but Katra we appreciate you so much coming on uh would you mind yeah, giving you. yes of course would you mind giving your your all of your socials and uh the name of your book yes. once again please yes so my book is called reborn on the run and you could if you want to get an autographed copy through me you can go to Katra Corbett c-o-r-b-e-t-t dot com and my instagram handle is dirt diva 333 um my Facebook account is just Catcher Corbett. I have an athlete page on there as well. And I have Twitter, Dirt Diva 33. And YouTube, I think, or, uh, oh my God, what's the other one? Uh, TikTok. TikTok. Yes. <laughs> Dirt, Dirt Diva. 33 on that one as well, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, we follow all of that, Instagram, folks. Yes. So follow me there. We will. We, 
we will put it all on um, our show notes as well. Perfect. And uh, once again, Katra, thank you. You've been amazing. Thank you. Oh, oh your story you. is so inspirational. Thank you so thank much. You. And uh, folks, as ever, because we always forget our TikTok names too, it's Rocks. <laughs> It's rocks underscore roots underscore pod. We are rocks underscore and underscore roots underscore podcast on Instagram. We have an email and I've yes. checked it more because Katra and I have emailed, so I'm better at that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's all. That's uh, that, that was amazing. All right, folks, we'll catch you at the next one. Ciao.